Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. Here's your question of the day. How can you learn to be rich? What does your rich life look like? And you're thinking about this, of Jim, this is a brain show, but all our treasures in our life really come from the quality of our mind, the habits of our thoughts, our behaviors, and so much more. So that's the topic of today. This is gonna be very, very popular. And I'm excited about having this conversation with a good friend, Ramit Sethi. And he is the author, the New York Times bestselling author of a brand new book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich. And I'm excited about this, Ramit. Thank you so much for, uh, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Before we talk about how to actually create wealth and what rich is for somebody, how do you go from studying psychology and technology at Stanford to becoming this personal finance guru written up in Forbes and Fortune and Wall Street Journal and New York Times. I'll tell you what, you know, I think that you remember the book, The Emperor Has No Clothes? I do. I remember learning about money while I was studying human behavior and psychology. And I remember a moment where I said, the emperor has no clothes. All this advice that people give us about money, like cut back on lattes. Hmm. I intuitively just said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to live a life where I'm cutting back on $3 expenses and tracking every single penny for my entire life. Like on a budget. Yeah. And like living a life of scarcity. So I wanted to live in a way that allowed me to say, I want to go out and buy a round of drinks for my friends. Mm -hmm. I want to spend on the things I love. And I don't want to be sitting there typing in Excel every single day for three hours. My rich life is to set up my systems, automate them so that they run beautifully, and then get off my chair and live outside the spreadsheet. That's my rich life. And so I started integrating psychology and money and it grew and it grew and now it's got millions of readers uh, and here I am. That's incredible because do you believe that wealth is an inside out process? So it starts with your mind, your, your thoughts, but where do those thoughts about money, like money doesn't grow on trees or money is the root of all evil. Right, or, or we don't talk about money in this family. And you have to think to yourself, what's the source of these quotes? Usually it's our parents early mm -hmm. on. And it's not like our parents went to any formal training about money. Let's say that you want to use Instacart because you want to save time and have your groceries delivered. How many of us have parents that might say, what a waste. You could just go do that yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, you could, but do I want to? Is my time better spent elsewhere? Is that valuable to me? And so when I grew up, uh, you know, my, we had a big family. My dad went to work. My mom stayed home with us. We would never buy prepackaged vegetables. Now, it makes perfect sense. It costs an extra two or three dollars. So things change as you adapt, as you make more. And certain things that were valuable back then change over time. And then so it's interesting because we, were not, we weren't taught these things. I mean, we're, they came from our parents maybe, but there was no class on this. No. And in fact, no if there was a class, you wouldn't have attended. So many people say, why don't you teach this in high school? Well, a lot of high schools taught it. You just didn't go. So the right time is now when people are listening, they're active, they make money, and they're like, what should I do with this? I've got 5,000 bucks in my checking account, or I have $18,000 of debt. I just 
wake up every morning, spend whatever, get to the end of the month, shrug and say, I guess I spent that much. But there's a different way where you can automate it and get in control. So is there a way of rewiring or changing these invisible scripts that are in our minds that we're just not even conscious of? That, well, that, that is the question. So I call them invisible scripts because they are so deeply embedded that we don't even realize they're scripts. Here's one that I grew up with. Buying a house is the best investment you can make. That sounds, well, of course, what else would you, you don't want to throw money away on rent, right? So we have all these mythologies and words. Turns out if you run the numbers, buying a house is often not the best investment you can make. And when I say that, people are like, wait, what? What do you mean? You're throwing money away on rent, you're paying your landlord's rent, and on and on these catchphrases, do it for the tax deduction. But if we say, let's actually run the numbers, then you might discover that buying a house is actually not the best investment. For example, I could buy a house today and I've chosen to rent for over 10 years. This is an invisible script and people should analyze it. So what would you recommend? How do people reverse that script now that they're more conscious of it? Because I think most people believe buying a home is a good investment or going to school is the end all be all. This is a really hard exercise because you have to examine inside. And people find it very hard to examine what is invisible to themselves. So what I like to do is to recommend they look at somebody else, somebody else who they admire and is successful. Let's take you. So we're talking about Jim. What does Jim do that is different than what I do? And then we dig deeper. Why does he do it? Why did Jim move from the West Coast to the East Coast? Now, I don't know. I'm just analyzing this, but I can come up with three reasons and I'm probably within 80% accuracy. Why does Jim wear this t-shirt? Why does he dress this way? Where does he eat? Now, of course, you might not know what Jim does on a day-to-day basis, but you might pick someone in your community. And when you start to do that, you go from a place of what I call disparagement to curiosity. This is a critical thing. It's really easy for people to disparage someone. I used to do it when I was in my early 20s. I would walk on a plane. All the people were sitting in business class. I'd walk past them to the back. And you judge. Like, I would why? totally judge yeah, them. Yeah, it's like, why, why would they spend all that extra money three times as much yeah. to... For what? We're all getting to the same place. It's very funny how in our puritanical society, people feel superior because they save more money or because they don't spend as much. When in reality, instead of disparaging other people who maybe eat at a nice restaurant or take a certain type of trip, it would be much better to say, why do they do that? They, if they can afford to be sitting in business class, what's going on that would make them want to spend three or four times the price? What do they know that I don't know? And if I had done that in my 20s, I would have been way more open-minded. Instead, I was like, I felt superior. But that's not the right way to go. To, to bust your own invisible scripts, you gotta be curious about why other people are doing what they do. I love that so much. Let's talk about the money lenses because this is how you see the world, yes. how you see your personal finances. Where do we start? Money lenses, imagine that I'm wearing eyeglasses right now and I'm looking at the world through these lenses. The primary lens in America that people use for money is cost. And you know this because we have convenient phrases like, how much did that cost? Oh, I could have gotten it cheaper. Could have done that myself. Why would you waste money on that? Mm. Cost drives everything. Now, that's perfectly fine. When I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So cost is by necessity the money lens they use. What happens is as people get older, maybe they get a little bit more financially successful. They don't change their lens. And at a certain point, the pattern becomes so deep 
that they are basically a one hit wonder. They have one note that they play, cost. But if you look at the world through this lens, certain things don't make sense. For example, walking here in Manhattan, beautiful neighborhood here. Why does this restaurant charge $40 for an entree? Well, if I'm looking at the world through a cost lens, that makes no sense. In fact, what a scam, such a scam. I could eat a Taco Bell and get full, cost. But what if I put on a different lens? Um, security. Security means if I were to bring my parents there, I know I'm going to get in because it's not going to be that busy. It's going to be quiet. There's not going to be a bunch of frat guys taking shots. Mm -hmm. Security. Or results. Why would you hire a personal trainer when you could just go on YouTube? You want better results. So there's all different types of money lenses. Experience is another one. And we intuitively understand this for kids. You take kids somewhere, you want to give them a magical experience. But for ourselves, oh, no, 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 I could do it myself. I don't want to waste money. We talk ourselves out of it. So the point of money lenses is to re-examine and say, cost is a fine lens, but let me put that aside for just a second. And let me try to imagine what life would be like if I put on the experience lens or the results lens or the convenience lens. It completely changes the way you think about spending. Because how you see the world affects also how you're going to interact with the world. And most people can't step out of their, their own mind because let's say they need to make a decision and they look through it through just one lens as opposed to these other angles. Yeah, it makes you so much more adaptable. It, you don't have to spend a ton of money. You don't have to get a personal trainer or a personal chef or anything. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is I want you to be adaptable, to be able to, with your mind, play with different abilities and different opportunities. Oh, I'm going to buy a suit today. I could optimize for cost, perfectly fine. But what if I want to optimize for convenience? I want the tailor to come to me or quality or just personal extravagance. How many money lenses do you think there are like main ones? I think there's about 10 core ones and then there are more and some people have their own. Uh, Classic common ones are results, experience, security, convenience and cost. Cost Cost. by far is the biggest one. What I want to encourage people is, again, you don't have to use all of these, but be adaptable. And I would encourage you to use each of them at least once per year. It will change the way you think about money. And that would create a different kind of result that you have also. Our mutual friend, Michael Fishman says, you know, something can't be expensive and also valuable at the same time. Something Mm. like that, meaning that um, if you're just looking through the cost lens, you're not looking at, you know, the value that you're going to receive from that. Yes. And uh, Dan Kennedy has this beautiful quote that I love. He says, why spend less when you can spend more? Why spend less when you can spend more? It totally blows people's mind. But we all intuitively have an area where we just get it. If you have children and I said to you, why don't you just optimize and get the cheapest baby food and the cheapest diet? They'd be like, this is crazy. So why is it different for ourselves? Why do we talk ourselves out of that? And that is the thing that I want people to do with money lenses is to say, you know what? It's okay to just play with the concepts in your mind. And then when you find something you love, go and spend just once and see what it feels like. I had a woman I was speaking to yesterday. She said that when she took a trip to London recently, her first money lens was cost. And so she saved money. She got sort of these seats that were the cheapest. She got to the hotel. She was hungry. Everything was closed. She called downstairs, closed. So she remembers that trip being hungry, tired, cramped, all costs. The next time she took a trip, she started asking herself a question. What would it take 
to make this a spectacular experience. So she was using the experience money lens. Okay, she said it cost her a little bit more, like a couple hundred bucks more, but this time she planned better. She Mm. spent two or three hours planning her seat. She had a list of restaurants ready to go. She got to her place, she was refreshed, she felt great. And now the whole uh, memory of that second trip is, as she put it, spectacular. So it doesn't have to cost a lot, but you have to be intentional about what money lens you're using. So we're talking about money lens. You also have this concept of a money dial. Yes. And so this is these are like values. Yes. Okay. Money lenses are the way you see the world. Money dials are how you love to spend your money. So let's let's do a little exercise if we okay. can do it. I think this is really fun. I want to ask you, and I want to ask everyone watching and listening along, what is something you love spending money on? Not just like, but you just love it. You can feel it. Yeah. What is it for you? A lot of things on that list were things I wanted to do for my parents. Yes. You know, they immigrated here. We live in the back of a laundromat, didn't speak the language. And I wanted to do things for them that they would never do for themselves. Yeah. They can never afford to do it. Even if they could, they wouldn't, they wouldn't. do that for themselves yes. because of their scripts, right? And so a lot of you know, what lights me up are doing things for my family and my friends, which could include experiences local, like when we host and we like to create experiences, but that that lights me up. Okay, so when people say experiences, like you have really dialed that in. And the part about giving back to your parents resonates a lot with me because my parents also immigrant parents. And I know what you mean when you say they couldn't afford it, even if they could, they wouldn't do that for themselves. I have this phrase, spend extravagantly on the things you love as long as you cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. Most people are asking $3 questions and they really should be asking $30,000 or $300,000 questions. So here we are. You've told me you love relationships. I said spend extravagantly. So I'm going to ask you a second question, which I would like everyone else to play along with and take it seriously. If you could spend four times the amount that you spend on relationships and experiences today, what would that look like? What would that feel like for you? So what would really light me up is our, our team always donates uh, a portion of our proceeds towards education. Yes. Um, through, uh, we built schools and sponsored villages everywhere from uh, Guatemala to Kenya through our friends at Pencils of Promise, yep. Adam Braun, through, uh, through We Day, mm. and we're very passionate about that because growing up not being able to read and having these learning challenges, I feel like education it can help give freedom and power and agency mm-hmm. to children who don't have access to it. I would get super excited to dial that up two, three, four, even 10 times, not only for, for more schools, but also to visit those schools yes. and to take some of our students with us on these adventures. Ah, that, would just, that would light us up. Amazing. Yeah. Look at the smile. Okay, so this is the thing I love. Whenever you ask people, what do you love spending on? They cannot resist smiling. We yeah. love talking about it. I love starting money conversations with yes. Yes, you can do that. Yes, you can bring your friends. Yeah. And when you start there, that is what gets people motivated to focus on their money. But if you start from a place of no, then of course you're gonna be like this. Uh, you know, it just feels bad. And if we know one thing about humans, it's humans will do whatever it takes, consciously or unconsciously, to avoid feeling bad. 
This is one of the reasons why I love your new book. Through the stories, we know that through stories, they inspire, they become memorable, people can see themselves in it. And so they're actually motivated to take those next steps. How do, uh, how do people find out more about the book or how do they connect with you? Okay, they can find me at IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. I've got a newsletter with hundreds of thousands of people. I would love to send them some of my favorite stuff. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Ramit, R-A-M-I-T. And you can find my book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich, anywhere online on Amazon or at indie bookstores or Barnes and Noble. I love that. Uh, I, what I would do is I would out for a quick challenge to everybody who's listening and watching right now is to take a screenshot of this video or of this podcast episode and tag Ramit and tag myself on your post and share your big aha from this conversation. We always talk about when you, when you teach something, you get to learn it twice. And so I challenge you to put your big aha there and then I will post and I'll repost some of my very favorites. And then as well, uh, we're gonna give a signed copy of Ramit's book to, uh, to one of our listeners also. Ramit, thanks for joining us. This was awesome, thank you. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Or simply text the word podcast to 916-822-7246 and we'll send you a direct link. That's 916-82-BRAIN. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, one more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think.